Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. A personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. And this is Jam Session, the podcast version 204, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Man, we've got a lot to get into. The NBA trade deadline. Many of you are listening to this on Friday, February the 11th. The NBA trade deadline happened today for us on the 10th. The Mavs made a monster trade that I don't think anybody saw coming. So we'll take a look at that. We've got Super Bowl 56. This is our final podcast before the Super Bowl. Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. ESPN NFL insider Ed Werder. Just all kinds of stuff that we got to get into. And we're going to dive into that in just a moment. Because first things first, none of this is happening without our, our sponsors. None of this. And... Greening Law, of course, is a big one of those. And the message from the attorneys at Robert Greening Law, the green team, as they call them, if you've been hurt in a car accident like I was, perhaps you experienced malpractice, injured on the premises of a business. They have represented clients from all of those types of things, even to birth injuries and sexual assault cases, all kinds of different stuff. Let them be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies and give them a call. Dude, the thing about it is, Matt talk about give him a call. That's that's really the only thing you got to do to get the process started. Pick up the phone, dial the number, give him a call. Tell him your, your, the details of your case. And if the green team takes you on as a client, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, you have arrived in legal heaven. And here's what I'm talking about, man. They don't get paid unless you get paid. And that, to me, means you don't ever have to wonder, are they grinding? Are they working? Are they taking care of your business? They are. Because they want to get paid just like they want you to get paid. That's exactly right. And, and again, it's an easy consultation that's absolutely free. If you're not sure if you have a case, if you think you may, find out. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Where you will no longer find a unicorn. Because in Dallas, Texas, the Dallas Mavericks, and, and I got to tell you, man, when this trade happened, I was just about to wrap up my radio show, and this comes out, and I'm just like, what? What? And I'm trying not to react because I was talking about something totally different, <laughs> but I saw it pop up on TV, and I'm just doing the, like the my mind's blown signaling to my producer, and in the break, he goes, what was that? I go, the Mavericks just traded Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Who saw that coming? Uh, let me see. Well, let me ask you this. Are you... 
Are you surprised they traded him? Or are you surprised they traded him to like this Washington deal? I think it's a little bit of both just because I wondered if there would be another team out there because this is his third team now. This is a right. seven foot three dude who can drain threes that can be on once every 20 games can be a unicorn. We saw it in New York. We saw it in Dallas. And now another team. I wondered, is there a team out there that would take that contract? Because he's got a couple of more years left. I think there's $10 million remaining this year. And then he's due like $36 million each of the next two years. I wondered, would anybody take on that guy who you know is going to play half a season? Well, there's, you know, there's one, there's a sucker born every moment or every minute. And two... The talent is there, and it's always intriguing. <clears throat> I'm not surprised that they traded him or tried to trade him because, as, as we've discussed several times, Doc, you can't win with him because he's never available. I mean, we literally just talked the other day, like, what's his longest streak of games played this year? Seven games? Something like 10 that, games? Yeah. 11, I think, maybe. And, and frankly, it's always, it's always kind of a little something different. It's a sore knee, it's a sore lower back, it's a foot, it's an ankle, it's this, it's that. And, like, I ain't mad at him. And, like, I don't think he tries to get hurt, much like Sean Lee never tried to get hurt. Right. Uh, the Cowboys linebacker it just is what it is. But here's the bottom line. If you're Jason Kidd, if you're Mark Cuban, if you're Nico Harrison, you're putting a team together, you can't win with him because he's not available. So if you can't win with him, and what do, what do people always say, man? If you're not part of the solution, you're what? You're part of the problem. Right. And so I'm, I'm not surprised at all they trade him because you can't win with him. So if we can't win with you, can we somehow move you and at least get some pieces we can win with or get out from up under your contract or create some flexibility so that we can go do something else because we're not going to win with you. Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. When, when you look at his, his tenure here in Dallas and you look at everything of what Chris Dapps Porzingis is and what he has been for the Dallas Mavericks, it's wild. They traded for him in February of 2019. He didn't play at all. He played 57 games the next season. He played 43 games the year after that. And this season, he has played in 34 games. I mean, it, it's pretty easy to do the math when you look at that and you say, okay, let's just not even look at the ACL season, the season that they traded him for. You look at that, and, and there are 82 games in an NBA season, for those that don't know. That means as a Dallas Maverick, Chris Stapps Perzingis played in 134 out of a possible 246 games the last three years or whatever it's been. What was that, like 55% or something, bro? Something like that, yeah. I mean, it, it's... it's I mean, it's ridiculous. Right, it, it, and the numbers are staggering. I mean, the numbers are just absolutely staggering when you look at it like that, of how many possible games that he could have played since they actually traded for him and how many games that he missed. I guess, to your point, I wasn't surprised... I thought that they would trade him after this season. I'm surprised they found something so willing so quickly. And apparently reports are coming out that they were actively shopping Tim Hardaway Jr. and Chris Dapps Porzingis in what really kind of looks like a roster explosion. Now the, the report's coming out. Now, because what I had read about this was this was kind of one of those things to give them some flexibility moving forward to really right. reshape the roster in the upcoming summers. Now they have acquired Spencer Dinwiddie, and they've required Davis Bertans. And those are the two players coming over from the Washington Wizards. Dinwiddie, a couple of years ago, actually was a serviceable player when he had the ball in his hands. He was a guy who could do some things when he was in Brooklyn. Then he right. went to Washington this year and playing next to Bradley Beal, he's more of an off-ball guy and he doesn't thrive in that as, as much as he does with the ball. 
but the Mavs have been trying to find somebody. You know, Brunson does it a little bit, but even now, they'd like to continue to lower Luka's usage rate a little bit, and this gives them another option to have somebody who can create offense and do some things when the ball's in his hands so that it's not just on Luka. Dude, they needed desperately somebody who could do that. Now, hopefully Dinwiddie could do that, uh, but they needed somebody who could do that, man. We've talked the whole time, like, Luka's the only creator that they have. Yeah. And then Jalen Brunson has emerged this year as a really, really, really good player. And so now he can create some. And so if you can get Dinwiddie and add a third guy who can create his own shot and get his own buckets and doesn't need some help, it actually makes Luka more lethal because he doesn't have to have the ball all the time. It makes the Mavericks offense better because they have a guy, uh, you know, who can, who can score um, on occasion. I mean – you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how he does, man. He, he was a 20-point scorer a couple years ago. Yeah. Hurt last year. Uh, that Washington thing was all funky yep. because uh, apparently he stepped up and said some stuff about the team and some leadership issues earlier in the season, and his teammates were like, hey, bro, you just showed up. Who the fuck are you to be talking about us? Pretty much. Es- essentially. And so it went, it, went, it went backward from there. And so he's the kind of guy – with a fresh start, a year removed from his injury, he may actually be a better player in Dallas than statistically is on paper. And with Tim Hardaway Jr. being out, you gotta you gotta like the fact that you got another score. Yeah, and that's kind of what I look at this as a really solid replacement who can basically do what Tim Hardaway Jr. does. But he can do it with the ball in his hands, and that that's something that you can use. The other guy, Davis Bertans, is Latvian. And he is a career 40% three-point shooter. But this season, he's basically done the, the Chris Dapps Porzingis. He's only played in 34 games, the same amount that Chris Dapps Porzingis has played in. He played in like eight and then missed 10 or something like that. Then he came back and played in a chunk of games, I think 16. Then he missed two, played in two, missed one, played in four, missed two, played in four, missed four, and has now played in the last two before being traded. The thing with him is you wonder maybe getting with Luca and he just Luca might just tell him, hey, man, just go stand over there and get open. And all he is a three point assassin. As a matter of fact, his last year in Sacramento, he shot 43 percent. And then his first year in Washington, he shot 42 percent. Last year, he shot 40 percent. But for whatever reason, with the injuries and the things that he's been dealing with this season, he's down at 32 percent which is the lowest of his career from the three-point line. I mean, we're talking about a guy who should be able to come in here, and if he's healthy, is just another shooter, another guy that Luka's going to create something for, just hit the open threes when I give you the opportunity. Is he somebody we expect to do any real kind of contribution this year? Well, he's he's back. I mean, he's been dealing with like a foot thing or something. Sounds familiar, J.J. Redick from last year. But, <laughs> you know, he's a guy that comes in. This year he's played 15 minutes a game in the 34 games that he's played in. But he has played in – I was just looking at his game logs. He has played in their last two games. So right, I, right, I, right. I don't know how much you're planning on using him. But, again, I, I don't think that having shooters around Luka hurts you. No, I don't think that at all. Um, I think it's uh, the more shooters, the better, um, you know, can, um, you know, not not just the more shooters, the better, the more good shooters, the better, because he's going to find the ball or he's going to find the guys with the ball. And then or find the open guys with the ball is what I'm trying to say is I have an old man moment. Right. And, and so we talked about kind of the, the money on this thing. And this really had a, a big thing to do with this, I think, because. 
For those that don't know, in the NBA, when you make a trade, the money has to be, and I forget what the percentage is, but you have to be within a certain, like you you couldn't trade Chris Stapps and then the Mavs get back a dude who's being paid 500000 a year or even $5 million right. a year. Like the salaries have to be fairly similar. Well, the Mavs have gained $1.4 million by moving on from Chris Stapps Porzingis. So the, the salaries are close. These two guys combined, you look at this, and Bertans has $5.4 million remaining in this year's contract, and then he has three more years remaining at 16, 17, 16. Dinwiddie has about $6 million remaining this year, and then two more years remaining at 18 and 19. But the 19 year, only $10 million of it is guaranteed. And so I've been reading some things trying to figure out about this trade and whatnot. And those numbers, believe it or not, are really not that insane. Now, for Bertans, it probably is because he's been not good this year. But for Dinwiddie, you know, there may be, if it doesn't work here, or if you decide we need to move on from this guy, there may be some more moves coming up in the offseason. I was curious what Chuck Cooperstein had to say, and he put this on his Twitter. Neither Dinwiddie nor Bertans have had very good years in Washington. Like Porzingis, both tend to miss games, but they also provide protection in case there is a future without Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith. The Mavs, Tim McMahon reporting this on Twitter, the Mavs are close to finalizing a contract extension with Dorian Finney-Smith. That, yeah. that really kind of leads to the belief, and I've read this a couple places, the Mavs are going to do everything they can to re-sign Jalen Brunson, but there are going to be teams out there that, if they wanted to, could just blow them out of the water with a ridiculous offer from Brunson. Like, the Pistons are evidently going to have gobs of cap space and are a team that may come and just where we're like, oh, my God, Jalen Brunson is getting $36 million a year? Where the Pistons, like, who cares? Give it to him. And the Mavs are saying, yeah. we'll give you, like, $20 million a year. So we'll see how it plays out. But Dinwiddie is kind of looked at as a guy if, if, you know, right now he can replace Hardaway, and he's also a guy, like I said, that can do things with the ball in his hand. But if you lose right. Brunson, then you've got a guy for the next two seasons in Dinwiddie who can kind of fill that Brunson role if you needed him to. Yeah, man. I'm all, I'm Jalen Brunson is uh, he's improved so much. It's just like man, you. I know. You really. He's a beast, I mean, and he's plus, homegrown. I, like I hope they. I was can gonna say, him. and they've been so shitty in the draft. Yep. For so long, because you know, in part of of, you know, what do you call it? Uh, uh, GM indifference. <laughs> And so you just hate the fact that if you re you finally struck up on a player, and everybody said he's a great player who you shouldn't have gotten, but he fell to you, and you you did a good pick. You just hate to train him, get him ready to explode, and then lose him to somebody else. Yeah, very true. I mean, it's, I mean, you just hate that. You do, and and that's the reality of where this thing may be going with him. So we'll see. I have a piece of audio here from ESPN's NBA analyst, Tim Legler, who was asked about this trade on TV this afternoon. And here's what Legler had to say for this Kristaps Porzingis trade. I love this deal, absolutely, for the Mavericks. No question about it. Because you look at a guy like Kristaps Porzingis, I know he got nicknamed the unicorn because, you know, he's so unique, but he's also the unicorn because you hardly ever see him. He's, he, that's, that's the problem with Kristaps Porzingis. You know, he's a guy that just, he's not consistently available. And then the biggest problem is 
you know, when Luka Doncic was off the floor, mm. if this is your second best player, he can't initiate any offense for himself. He's not a guy that you can run an offense through for five or six minutes while Luka's over there getting some Gatorade. Spencer mm. Dinwiddie can do it. Jalen Brunson's had a very good year, but Spencer Dinwiddie gives them that other dynamic scoring guard, and he showed you when he was in Brooklyn what he's capable of doing when he's got the ball and it's his show. And now they're going to have the ability to continue to manufacture offense while Luka is resting. They really couldn't do that when he was off the floor. So I love this deal for Dallas. I think it was time that they moved on from Kristaps Porzingis, and he'll probably be more of the same in Washington, a guy that, you know, he's available here and there and tantalizes you with 7-3 and shooting ability, but really not somebody that's reliable enough to build around and build toward a championship with. Yeah. I agree. I think, yeah, just, uh, you know, he seems a little upset at, at KP. Like, and, and, you know, and I say that like, okay, again, he ain't trying to get hurt. It ain't right. his fault he's hurt. But that is the reality of the situation now. That is what it is. But when you say, hey, you can't run an offense. Well, hell, that ain't KP's deal. You knew that when you got him. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm always like, you know, guys go out of the way to take shots sometimes. And to me, Porzingis is a, is a good player whose career, you know what, man? He probably is not supposed to be doing all this stuff at seven foot three, and that's why he had, that's why his body can't can't uh, yeah. can't handle it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I ain't mad at him. I'm more frustrated with him, but I get it because I swear to y'all, and I've probably told y'all this before. He reminds me of my midlife crisis car. Now y'all know I got a bunch of cars, but my midlife crisis car is my Cadillac XLR two seater hardtop convertible. It's a beautiful car. A beautiful car. That 12-letter cuss word never runs. Yeah, It's always got something wrong with it. And I tried to sell it, and it was running fine. And when I tried to sell it, the convertible stopped working. And I was just like, you 12-letter <laughs> cuss word. Um, awesome. And so t- to me, that's who KP is. Like, he's beautiful. And, dude, on the days when the car was working, and the top is down, and you zipping down 35, headed downtown with the wind blowing on my bald scalp at 95, zooming in and out of traffic and being cautiously reckless. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. It's orgasmic. But then two days later, you go out to do it, and it says, oh, this, this sensor is out, and you got to go get this replaced. And you're like, man, F you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. I mean, that is, that's Kristaps Porzingis, but... You know, you did kind of get the Mavs tried something. The Mavs tried something in this trade with Kristaps Porzingis. It didn't work. They got Tim Hardaway Jr. out of it. But KP, we talk about this all the time. We talk about it in the NFL. And no matter what sport, your best ability is availability. And Kristaps, quite simply, is just not available enough. As Legler said right there at the end, you can't have a guy like that who's supposed to be one of your top two players because you can't rely on that guy to be there when you need him to build a championship team. Right. And so you got to move on. And that's what they've done. And the KP experiment in Dallas is over. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not mad at man. They swung big. They missed on this. And so you move on. Um, No harm, no foul. Uh, For me, the beauty of it is they got out of it. You know, Um, that to me is there's no need to hang on to it. Uh, they got out of it. They got uh, at least one useful part back. And now we'll see if they can now, you know, 
continue the championship run with a, with another nucleus. Yeah, they've got to. I mean, that, that's. I mean, the reality of it is, I would imagine at some point that Luca okayed this, because at this level, with what they want from Luca, you're not making moves like this unless Luca's like, yeah, it's fine. And yeah. they've been they've been fine without KP. When KP has been injured this year, they have been totally fine. They have learned how to win without KP. They just didn't need him anymore. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, it was like I said, man. It was a good it was a good attempt to put a star with Luca. Yeah. And and try to win the championship or can seriously contend for one. He can't stay healthy. Uh, you've had you know parts of three seasons. Okay, it's time to move on. It's just like a relationship, you know. What are we doing here? We're gonna get married. What are we doing? I'm not just gonna date you forever. Um, and so, at a certain point, if you can't get it done, it's time to move on. Yeah. Well, see you later. <laughs> well, before we move on, let's tell you about a couple more of our fantastic sponsors. And of course, that means Blue Star Motor Group. If you are looking to buy or sell, and I will tell you this, and I will continue to tell you this until it is beat into your brain where you do this. If you are looking to purchase a vehicle, you need to get Deb and Blue Star Motor Group involved in the process because they are going to do everything they can to make it happen for you. And it's easy. That's, that's one thing I love about Blue Star Motor Group. It's a simple phone call, or you can just shoot her a text at 817 881 4066 let her know what you're looking for and they immediately set out to work seeing how they can help you well you know they got sources all over the country they can find the car you're looking for maybe it's in washington state maybe it's in vermont maybe it's uh, in north carolina but they can get it here to you in a uh, in a short amount of time if it's not in dfw but the main thing man is deb's deal maker bro Give her a call. She ain't got to talk to the finance manager. She ain't got to talk to the business manager. She ain't got to talk to the GM. She is all of that. And so when you're talking with the dealmaker, as Jerry Jones, you can get things done, man. And uh, that's the thing I like about him. That, and she's always available. She is indeed. And that's what makes part of it so easy. You give her a call. You shoot her a text. She's going to get back to you. 817-881-4066 specializing in superior in superior quality carfax certified pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models you can check out their inventory right now you can simply go to bluestarmotorgroup.com and of course keep in mind if you are looking to sell your car your working vehicle that has not been involved in a wreck you are looking to sell your car you need to give them a call they a lot of the times will be able to offer you more cash than the dealership because they have such low overhead and they will come to your house and pay cash on site. But they, look, guys, they're looking for working vehicles. They're not looking like your car doesn't run and you're looking for somebody to come get it for you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking <laughs> about a car that you want to sell that somebody else would then probably end up driving eventually. Those are the types of vehicles they're looking to purchase to expand their inventory. And they can answer your questions. They can get the process started. 817-881-4066. Also, of course, Bruce Biltong. You guys have ordered it by now, right? I hope so. If you haven't, I don't know why. Actually, my brother texted me the other day, and he said, hey, what's that promo code for Bruce Biltong? I'm going to finally get some. I said, oh, you, you just use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. And he's like, okay, we're, we're going to see if it's as good as you say it is, but you keep talking about how <laughs> awesome it is, and I've got to get some. And I told him, I was like, it is. Like, I really enjoy it. I love the Biltong at BruceBiltong.com. I think it's fantastic. Dude, I'm all about to slice Bill Tide, brother. I mean, it's juicy, it's succulent, it's tender, it's delicious. All of that sounds strange talking about an air-dried meat, but hey, 
That's the world we're living in. And uh, I also like it because it's good for your waistline, baby. Two ounces, 240 calories, 30 grams of protein. Wow. No carbs, no sugar, no additives. Bro, I can rock with that all the time. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it is fantastic. It's just absolutely absolutely delicious it really is and i think you guys are really going to enjoy it it's bruisebiltong.com b-r-u-s-b-i-l-t-o-n-g at bruisebiltong.com promo code jam 15 and you do get that 15 percent off your order so let's take this quick trip around the block because you sent me something and i thought this was really interesting a couple of things actually the first one is this google search thing and I don't know, I, I just thought this was really interesting because, so for people that don't know, Google can find out like what people are searching for and all this. And so from time to time, you'll see an article about, oh, what are people Googling in all this? Well, people in Dallas, there's this article called online searches offer a glimpse at what jobs pique the most interest. And so what they did is this is a study in the Dallas area, how to become a what? So how to become a whatever it is. I thought this was really interesting. And I, I don't know why. I, I don't know if I ever in a million years would have guessed what was number one. Hell no. Nobody would. That's why I sent it to you. But the, the number one search on how to become, like you're trying to change job, you're trying to learn a new skill, whatever it is. How to become a notary is number one <laughs> on the how to become list. <laughs> that's because you can make pretty good i mean you don't make a lot of money doing it but over the course of time you can make decent money especially if you're mobile and you go you know i need a notary and you say oh yeah i can swing by your house in 20 minutes you can get 50 75 dollars for that man yeah man i mean it, it's that's interesting and so the other one see the other one i would have guessed how to become a real estate agent because that makes a lot of sense to me. You, you hear about people all the time the real estate market is booming i imagine it's a wonderful time to be a real estate agent Hell, we, we remember Rich Phillips at the ticket that I worked with for a long time, and he got out of that and started doing some stuff with Texas Motor Speedway. He's basically gotten out of, out of all that stuff completely, other than doing SMU basketball. He is now a real estate agent. Well, you know, the lovely rain is, is a real estate agent, man. It's a, uh, it's a hard living, though, bro, because you eat what you kill, and if you don't kill nothing, you don't eat nothing. And uh, in today's world, because there's so many real estate agents out there, the competition to get clients is hard. And then, bro, the housing market, at least in Dallas, is so interesting where there's more houses than there are customers. So the competition to get a house, you know, you go, oh, we like this house. We want to sell it. It's listed at, let's pick a number, 250000 Bro, you better not offer two fifty. You better offer two sixty five. Yeah. if you want that house. Now, the other ones, and these are the top five, what's next searches in Dallas, how to become a notary, how to become a real estate agent, and then the other ones, how to become an insurance agent, makes sense. But the other two, I was like, what? How to become an Amazon seller, right? I, I, I guess you just sell stuff on Amazon. And then the fifth one, how to become a freight broker. What the hell is a freight broker? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't even know what brokers do in general, much less one that's breaking freight. I have no idea. Oh, that's like some financial thing. I, I don't know, man. But I thought that was really interesting. And you look at it so that the, the top ones in the country, and this is what's so nuts. The number one how-to search in the country is how to become a notary. <laughs> like all these people are just out there, oh, I guess I'll make a few bucks. How to become a notary. 
Now I can notarize all kinds of cool shit. Everybody's trying to get their side hustle on, man. Now, the, the rest of them, this is national across the country. How to become a therapist. How to become a firefighter. How to become a personal trainer. How to become a psychiatrist. How to become a physical therapist. And how to become an electrician. Those are the top kind of what's next in my career searches that people are looking up as they contemplate getting out of whatever it is they've been doing and trying to find something else to do. Well, everybody's trying to find something else to do, man, because the uh, the job market is just so wild, man. And with COVID, you know, people are always like, I just got laid off. I mean, hell, or, you know, everything's changed and you, you want options yeah. where you can control your future, basically, where you're not always worried about somebody else coming to say, hey, we can no longer use you. Yeah, it's true. And they call this the great resignation, the time that we're in right now, where and it's not that people don't want to work necessarily. It's that they're quitting jobs that they've had for a long time. And a lot of people are going out there and trying to pursue jobs that they wanted originally when whatever got in the way or they gave up and they're just trying to do different things, which is kind of, you know, I mean, you can kind of listen to this list, how to become a firefighter. I'm sure there's a lot of people that initially at some point in life are like, man, it'd be cool to be a firefighter. And for whatever reason, they never pursued it. And now they're at a point where, okay, I will say I've always thought, from reading books and, yes, watching TV. So those of you that are police officers and firefighters are probably laughing your ass off. But it does kind of, like, make it look almost like an athletic team, like the camaraderie and the, and the, the closeness of, like, each firehouse or each police station and the people that you work with. And right. that part of it has always seemed really appealing to me. No, man, I, I get it. It's, it's like being on a team. You know, you train like a team. You practice like a team. Uh, you go attack the fires like a team. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I get that. It makes sense to me. Yeah, and then you're hanging out, like, at the firehouse, and, you know, you always say, like, families get together, and you're like, oh, who's making the chili tonight? Oh, that's uh, uh, Big Bob over there is making it. And you, you're yeah. drinking your beers, and you're hanging out, and the alarm goes <laughs> off, and you got to get on the truck and go, you know, and maybe you are, you're you're modeling in the annual firefighter's calendar. and I, I don't know. It's yeah, I've done that. You model in a firefighter calendar? I was just saying if you're paying attention. No, I'm always paying attention. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't see, okay, you know, I, I don't know that uh, I've ever been in a calendar now that I think about it. <laughs> Me either. I don't know, but I, there, there has been some times where I wondered, I don't know, I guess it's just kind of like how you grow up and you hear about that a lot, like people that their dads or somebody was in law enforcement or whatever, they end up going into law enforcement and there's movies, you know, all about that. And like, Oh, my brother did this. And so my dad did this. And I mean, this is what we are. We're a family of cops or, you know, we're a family of firefighters or what have you. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is just what you brought up around and what seems familiar to you, you know, whether it's, you know, especially because you see your family of officers or, you know, educators or whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, you hear about that in, in various jobs, like nursing, I know, is, is a real popular job and that people, I know a couple of people that left whatever it was they were doing before and are nurses now, including guys. I mean, I, I, I had a friend of mine that I kind of, we waited tables together when we were younger and he had owned a bar and had done a couple of other things and he got tired of all that and, and went to nursing school and he's a nurse now. And, you know, being a nurse is one of those things that can be really rewarding, but hard work. You get paid pretty well, and, and you get quality time off and insurance and all that stuff. Oh, no, no. They, I mean, there's a shortage of nurses right now, so they're getting paid right now. Yeah, they but are. They're working, they working 24-7 nonstop, too. It's a lot, so they man. Got, 
they ain't got time to spend the money that they're making. So the other thing that you sent me, and I thought this was really kind of cool because I've been on a, I've been on a roll lately, huh? Yeah, you have been, man. You found some good stuff. <laughs> So apparently at White Rock Lake in Dallas, at one of the busiest intersections near the lake, a pair of bald eagles have made a nest in a tree. And it's become such a thing because, I mean, bald eagle is a sizable bird. It's obviously the national mascot and all this. The city has had to set up barriers to discourage people from getting too close. As people, I guess, are obsessed, like, oh, look at that. Kick ass. It's, uh, it's bald eagles. Well, dude. Um, I think that they're, yeah, they're bald eagles, but I think they're, they're just more majestic than, than you just know because it's not something that we see around here all the time. Yeah. And so I think that the folks are just captivated by them. And then, you know, I mean, this is America, so, you know, the proliferation of dumbasses around who just can't leave well enough alone, uh, you know, is always um, going to be at a high level. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and this guy is talking about this now. Apparently, if you are in the Dallas area, you this is at the southeast corner of East Lake Highlands Drive in North Buckner Boulevard. And they say if you really feel like you want to go over there and you want to get a view of them, that you want to go to the west side of Buckner Boulevard and stay far enough away so that they do not feel threatened. And they also say stop parking along the roads. You're posing a danger to other drivers and pedestrians, you morons. But bald eagles are cool. I mean, I, I, I saw the bald eagles at the zoo. I think that's probably the only time I've ever seen them. So to see them out in well, the wild, kind of cool. Dude, I saw something on, okay, don't give me the line. It was TikTok. It was Twitter. It was IG the other day. Yeah. But it was a group bald in somebody's front yard. And that thing was massive. Really? In their I front mean, yard? I, yeah. Wow. That's why they, that's why they took a video of it and put it on whatever social media I saw it, but it was uh I mean it was wild, bro. Yeah, that is. I I I don't know what I would do. I think it's cool just seeing an eagle. Like anytime you see an eagle, and I'm not talking about a bald eagle, but man, I I don't know what I'd do if a bald eagle just like landed in my backyard and like tried to go to one of my bird feeders. <laughs> uh, give him whatever you wanted. Pretty much. I mean, those are sizable birds. I mean, bald eagles are badass looking. Hell yeah. But apparently this is not so that they've got this master birder. That's what they call these guys. God, that's a weird oh, be careful oh, how you master. say that. I'm a master birder. Are you? <laughs> yes. I master birded yesterday. Wow, okay. Well, I'm, I'm I hope you enjoyed your bird. Or maybe it was just in the nest. I don't know how you did this. But no, there's this guy who, uh, I'm trying to find his name. Where's his name in this article? Oh, here he is. It's Ben Sandifer, who has been a master birder. Now, I find this interesting because he's only been a master birder for about two decades. Oh, really? I would have thought that he'd been master birding a little bit longer than that. But I don't know. I mean, I, what do you mean? I, I, I would think that isn't, isn't master birding like something people get into like when they're like a teenager? Shut up, man. I, I don't know a lot about it. I don't. I, I'm, I, but apparently this guy has been a master birder for almost two decades. And he says that while bald eagle sightings are uncommon, they're not completely rare around White Rock Lake for whatever reason. Really? Yeah, which is interesting because I... I honestly don't know that I, I know for a fact, I've never seen a bald eagle. Like I've just been driving down the road over by White Rock Lake. And I was like, oh my God, a bald eagle. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen one in the wild. I know for sure I haven't. So, 
<clears throat> I mean, I would probably trip if I if I had. Yeah, so, man, that just the, seems. There are certain animals that you can see. Like, I mean, let's be honest. Like, if you ever saw a lion and you weren't in Africa and, it, and you weren't at the zoo, I think I'd freak out. I'd be like, oh, my God, why is there a lion right there? You know, bro, I do that sometimes in terms of thinking like, you know, we see, you know, maybe you see a fox in your front yard or, you know, a bird or something. And you go, nah, if you're in another part of the world, you know, there's just a kangaroo hopping around or, you know, it's just odd to me the things that we that we would see in another country and find odd that's very normal in whatever country we're talking about. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's really true. I mean, we were talking about that, you know, like Australia. I don't even know. Like, I'll tell you guys right now, go Google Huntsman spider. And in Australia, those are fairly common. If we saw one of those in America, I would burn down my house. I'd be like, well, we're moving. Get out of here. And I just light something on fire and leave the house. And I mean, those things are like the size of a dinner plate. And in Australia, they just, you know, like, oh, it's a huntsman. Be careful. Like, oh, my God. You can go watch videos of people trying to get rid of them in their house. I'm like, my God. Dude. I don't know yeah. why anybody would want to live in Australia. The shit they got over there. I mean, all kinds of dangerous snakes and spiders. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, look, the beautiful beach. Great. There's great whites all over the place over here. It's insane, man. You know, as funny as where the Birmingham Zoo is, it's kind of... You know, Birmingham is, is obviously much smaller than Dallas. So when I say it's near downtown, downtown Birmingham is not very sizable. But the zoo is not too far. It's probably about five minutes from downtown. But it backs up to a big road here. And during the fall and the winter, when all the trees lose their leaves, you can see giraffes and elephants when you're driving by. Which oh. is, And so that's kind of interesting because you're driving. Like, you know the zoo is there, but you're not in the zoo. And you're just driving by on the highway, and through the trees, you see an elephant walking around. That would trip me up. So I, <laughs> I know. It's kind of wild, man. But I don't know. There's just animals like that whenever you see them. That's right. Like, people freak out when they see a bobcat, and bobcats are fairly common. And people are like, oh, my God, it's a bobcat. Uh, yeah, they're fairly common, but those, are, those things scare me because those things can do some damage if they pop you. Yeah, man, they are. I mean, there's a reason why athletic teams will name themselves the bobcats. Nobody names himself the cats. Right. It's not because they're cute and cuddly. Right. Like, we're not sitting here. Literally, nobody names himself, oh, we're the Cheshire cats or we're the Siamese cats. No. Because, like, your general house cat is lame and stupid, but a bobcat will kind of tear you up a little bit. Plus, they don't have a tail and it's creepy. That's weird. Their little nub moves around. Animals without tails, but they have the little nub that moves around freak me out, man. I don't know. I don't think you can trust a, a no-tail animal. I can see it. I can see that. <laughs> They're just kind of weird. All right, before we move on and we get into our conversation with Clarence Hill Jr., let's tell you about our buddy Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Have you made the call yet? Have you decided that I've got to get started and you pick up the phone and you give Hector a call, 940-453-3490. But, you know, perhaps even more so than me telling you about it, let's let Hector tell you a little bit about exactly how this works. So I talked to someone today, and uh, they they were worried sick that you know they they hadn't done enough, and you know they they contributed to their 401k, and they knew they needed to do something else. They're 47, and so they're thinking it's too late. That's 20 years until official Social Security retirement age. When I explained that to them and showed how how it worked, you know the bottom line is, no matter who you are, what age, you just need to get started bottom line you need to get started you need to get started with something 
kind of like um, you go to the gym, you start working out, you start to see some improvements, you change your diet, and you're like, then, then you're like energized, you're inspired to do that. It's the same thing. If I can sit someone down and show them, and then show them like a hypothetical, like their eyes start popping out, going, "Okay, I see it now. Okay, now it's time to do it." So, bottom line is, you just got to get started. You just got to get started, and that's part of the thing, man. I mean, get started, and the reality of it is, that's how simple it is. All you got to do is pick up the phone and make the phone call to Hector. And allow him to put a game plan together for you, because that's what he specializes in. That's what he does best, which is put a game plan together for you. Uh, you talk to him, you tell him you want to be conservative, you want to be aggressive, you want to be somewhere in between. Uh, here's how much money I have, here's what I make, here's where I'd like to be. And then let Hector go to work and do his thing, man. That's exactly right. That's what he does. And keep in mind, it's a non-fee-based, doesn't cost anything to meet with him. Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, 940-453-3490. Make that call. And, of course, Freeway Tire Shop. Been telling you about Freeway for a long time. And Jacques knows better than anybody. When you're looking for the mechanic you can trust, when you're looking for somebody who does quality work and backs up what they say they're going to do, that is why you go to Freeway Tire Shop like you do with all 900 of your cars. <laughs> I think the thing about it is, man, that for me, it's about trust, bro. Uh, JR owns a Freeway Tire Shop, and I trust that dude implicitly with, with my cars, man, because I trust him to – can you just diagnose the thing and figure out what's wrong with it, bro? Then I trust him to use quality parts to fix it. I trust him not to charge me an arm and a leg, but to charge me a fair price to fix the car. Because, yeah, he got a skill set that I don't have, so he fixes cars. That's his business. I'm not asking for it to do a, a hookup or do it for free, but just charge me a fair price, man, because a lot of mechanics don't. And then I trust him to stand behind his work, and he does it every single solitary time. He's the best. I recommend him to all my friends. I take all my nine cars there, and uh, he's the man. He's the way to go. It's Freeway Tire Shop just north of downtown Dallas. You can request your quote, schedule your appointment. You can do all that online at freewaytireshop.com. It is time, as we do every week, we check in with longtime Cowboys beat writer from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Brought to you by Soda Weight Loss, it is Clarence Hill Jr. And so before we get into Super Bowl chat and your thoughts on the game, you had an opinion piece that came out today and. Now, when most people listen to the podcast, they will know for sure who the Hall of Fame class is going to be, because as we record this, they are making the announcement tonight. But you had the opinion piece on DeMarcus Ware, and I would be surprised if he is not into the Hall of Fame when most people listen to this. But walk us through your story about DeMarcus Ware and your thoughts about his career and what he had meant to the Cowboys. I, I got a couple of things. First of all, I certainly think DeMarcus Ware, number one, should be in the Hall of Fame. But as, as, as I'm hearing more and more about this thing, I don't know if he's going to make it. And I'm, and I'm kind of getting salty about it. But, um, you know, there's, there's there's a lot of politics with the Hall of Fame, as you know. And, you know, this whole first ballot thing and who deserves to be first ballot who, and all this other stuff. But, uh, I mean, you look at DeMarcus Ware and, and what he did with the Cowboys, where he came from, uh, understanding that Bill Parcells didn't want him. I mean, everybody knows the story. You know, he, he initially wanted Sean Merriman, then he wanted, you know, Marcus Spears uh, because he was more versatile in his 3-4. He wasn't really all that high on one DeMarcus Square and, and made a bet with Jerry Jones that, that DeMarcus Square had to have a certain number of sacks every year or, or he would, have, you know, have free reign on Jerry D5, you know, in the offseason. 
you know, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek. It was funny, but he did make make that bet on the clock. I mean, you know, we look at DeMarcus Ward now uh, and, and see greatness. And, and certainly you look at his numbers and what he's done, you know, you see nothing but greatness. But, you know, this wasn't promised. You're talking about a guy who came from small choice state, was an undersized outside linebacker, defensive end. You know, this this wasn't necessarily promised. He could have been a buck. He could have been, you know, he saw the numbers, but he didn't play the same level of competition. And and to do what he did, you know, and, and to, to put up the numbers he put up uh, with the Cowboys, uh, certainly becoming an all-time leader in sacks, leading the NFL in sacks for a couple of years, uh, having seven uh, uh, seven sacks a season, no, double-digit sacks a season for seven straight seasons. You know, it, you know, just, just look at the numbers. They're going to to uh, Denver and being uh, a missing piece and becoming a champion there. I think the one thing that we, you know, it, it's funny to me because you look at the Cowboys and look at players who don't win and think that, you know, they're not champions because they don't win. And there's so much a part of being a champion, especially on an NFL team with, with, with so many different pieces to it that, that can prevent you from winning. But that doesn't mean that what you do and what you've done has not been about winning and, and your hard work has not been about winning and you don't have a championship mentality because you haven't won. There's so many things that go along with that. And now you, you go to, to Cincinnati and I'm not Cincinnati, I'm sorry, you go to Denver and the things that Mark Ware was always about, they proved fortuitous for the Broncos because not only was he a great player on the field, but what he was about in the locker room and off the field helped, helped their all-pro linebacker become the player they had hoped he would be. You know, and that, that was so crucial uh, at that time in his life. And, again, I'm having a senior moment uh, from DeSoto. Help me out. Who, Von Miller? Von Miller, yes. <laughs> Old ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I just read the story to talk about this, like having a senior moment. But, you know, understand that that that, that – that, the first three years of Von Miller's career, you know, he was a great player, but he, you know, was has been suspended for drugs and had some issues off the field and certainly was coming off knee injury. You know, the Marcus Ware came to the Broncos at the right time, not just for for himself and his career to continue his career, but also to help the team develop Von Miller to become the player he can become. And so you put all that together and he is the picture of a Hall of Fame. Dude, we're talking about a dude with who's seven-time All-Pro. I mean, there's not a lot of cats who's seven-time All-Pro, man. And, no. uh, you know, we understand the 20-sack season. The dude also had a 19-and-a-half-sack season, man. <laughs> so, uh, he's a phenomenal player, man. How about the, you know, I was sitting here trying to figure out who the hell was the defensive player of the year? In 2008, when DeMarcus has 20 sacks and 27 tackles for loss, and uh, he doesn't get to be, and he's not the defense player of the year. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense, and I, I guess we have to look that up. But, you know, the thing about it is, that when you look at this class, and there's no shooting, you know, and, 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 and it's from, he, to me, is the headliner. If there's a headliner in this class, it's DeMarcus Ware. You know, from his numbers, everybody above him, as far as the NFL sack totals are already in the Hall of Fame, uh, he's got the Super Bowl. You know, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in. But yet we're going down to the to the wire here, and, and I don't know if he's going to make it. Man, 
Yeah, it was uh, James Harrison was the, the defensive player of the year that year. He had 16 sacks, and he had 22 votes for defensive player of the year, and DeMarcus only had 13. Wow. But, you know, to your point, and you guys are bringing all that up about DeMarcus Ware, I mean, he was also on, excuse me, he was on the, uh, what was it, either the 2000s or the 2010s, uh, all 2000s no, team or whatever. He was on, yeah. he was on the 2000s, uh, yeah, team uh, of the decade, for sure. And, and Jim, usually, again, as we as we learned with, with doing the Drew Pearson, those guys get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, he, and, and that's I, the thing I think they're trying to decide, right? Like, like he, he either gets in tonight and he becomes a Hall of Famer first ballot. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's just a matter of it is is it going to be first year? Right. You know, there, there's no question that he will be in the Hall of Fame at some point. Uh, the question is, will he go as a first first ballot guy? And to me, if if Jason Taylor goes in, I think they're trying to. To, to if, if he doesn't go in to trying to fix the Jason Taylor mistake, but if, if you put Jason Taylor in, you got to put Marcus Ware in for example. Hell yeah, yeah, that's the truth, man. And, and I'll be curious to see who it is tonight because the other two first ballot guys are Andre Johnson, who I feel like there's kind of a, a glut of you know Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne. I I think are Hall of Famers too, and then Devin Hester will be interesting to see if he gets in on the first ballot because probably the greatest return man of all time. So he should probably get in. But you can't put all 15 of them in, so who knows? Well, yeah, and, and, and I, I, from my understanding, and, and I may be wrong, and I know this will come out after it goes up, but I don't think any receivers are getting in or Devin has, from my understanding. Man, that would be interesting. And So your understanding is you've probably talked to some people that were in the room because they voted a month ago. Like everybody already knows and has known for like a month about what's going on with this. They know, yeah, they 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 know, and 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 somebody sent a picture to a friend of mine today of Marcus Ware not being in Los Angeles. Huh. Okay. God, that's just you know that. <laughs> so I, I I just you know I just you know I I don't want to just put it out there, but yeah, you know somebody took a picture of him today, not in Los Angeles. Well, that would be very telling, I would say. Yeah. And very surprising because I thought if there was a guy in, like he was the one guy I thought, well, obviously he's getting in. I mean, how could you not put him in? He's that, <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's, we all know how this is and it's not just football, but some of the way that they do certain things like this where it's like, well, but is he a first ballot guy? You know, oh, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. But the first ballot guys are reserved for, I mean, who's it reserved for? Are you a Hall of Famer or not? I don't, it's, I don't know. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, it, 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 they were supposedly reserved for the LTs and the Peyton Mannings and the, and the you know, Tom Brady's of the world. Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. So, yeah. we'll see. That, that's, let, let's move on to the Super Bowl, Chill, because we were talking about this and, <laughs> You know how how do you like this matchup? You you've got the Rams and their defense. You've got Matt Stafford. You've got Joe Burrow. It's two number one overall picks playing against each other, and then Joe Burrow somehow who's playing behind the sieve of an offensive line. It would look like on paper the the Rams would have enough defensively that they could kind of overwhelm what Cincinnati does on offense. Yeah, I mean, I just on paper and just my gut and and basically what I'm saying is this should be a Rams. You know, just from a defensively, offensively, uh, th- this should be the Rams win. But, of course, I would have said the same thing about the Tennessee game. You know, the, the good news is Tannehill is not playing for the Rams. You know, Tannehill basically threw that game away. And and, and that's just the thing about it. You know, you know could could the Bengals be destined? Could things just be – I mean, I mean I, I've never seen Patrick Mahomes make worse decisions in key moments. 
You know, because you look at that number. We love Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is so cool. He did not win those games. Those other teams lost those games. He was on the winning side, but he did not win those games. Tennessee lost that game. They threw that game, you know, uh, and, and, and the same thing with Kansas City. You look at that game, and and, 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 we, and we actually we go back to the inadvertent whistle against the Raiders. <laughs> and we forget about that. <laughs> I see that was in that contest, that inadvertent whistle in, in that game. But, you know, uh, you know, maybe that fortuitous, maybe that destined. I don't know, but on paper, this says, you know, the Rams from, you know, it's one thing to protect them against the Chiefs defense line and Chiefs defense. The Rams defense is a whole different deal. De- dealing with Aaron, Aaron Donald, those guys, that's a whole different animal, you know. And, and then you, you you got Rams and those guys in the secondary, and then you got the the Rams offense. And who's stopping Cooper Cup? Who's who's the toilet food that we listen? I love love. Cheeto's bounce back season, and I kind of wrote about that today as well. And in our environment, he's had a great season, coverage-wise. And and Eli Apple doesn't look like the bust that he was in in other stops. But my goodness, Cooper Cup is is just something else. And to go with a uh, you know a re-energized OBJ, I mean, I just don't know how they stop. No, I think it's going to be real hard, but I don't know, man. I, I think uh, I think you don't give the Bengals enough credit for figuring out how to win when you when we just going to say the other team just fell apart. You no, got to take I advantage mean, of not, it. You got to go do it. No, it, there, there's, no, there's no question about that. But just the interceptions that Tannehill took, the decisions. First of all, if they kicked this extra point, not gone for in the first half, they would have they would have had the game already. You know. <laughs> It would have been, they'd have been driving for a field goal or whatever else. It was just a whole different situation. But the interception he threw in that game, you know, and then Patrick Holmes at the end of the first half, the arrogance, you know, and, and at the end of the game, it just, just if they kick the field goal at the end of the first half, they just need a field goal to win the game at the end. You know, just just the decisions that they made, and, and certainly you have to take advantage of opportunities. There's no question about that, and they did. And so give them all the credit in the world. But, you know, again, you, you have to have things bounce their way, and things certainly did bounce their way, and maybe they'll continue to bounce their way. Like I said, they may be desperate, you know, so that, that's part of it. You know, you have to be good, but you also have to be lucky and fortunate and all that stuff to, to be a champion, have a three championship season. But just based on paper, and we're only going on what we know, and we're only, only talking about what we know and, and what we see, the Rams are the better football team. They should win the game. I would agree. I, I, I think the Rams overall are a better football team, too. And how, how do we view Matt Stafford? Because Jacques and I were talking about this. He, he's going to have crazy statistics whenever he decides to hang it up. But he's only ever been in one Pro Bowl. Does winning a Super Bowl this year put him on the path to the Hall of Fame eventually? Ooh. Did you fall Ooh. out your chair? Laughing. <laughs> 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 Too much, you got too much dip on your tip there, buddy. Too much dip on your tip. Being the best, you know, being the statistical best quarterback in, in Lions history don't get you the Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't think so. You know, he has to do more than this. Can he go back to back? I mean, this, this ain't Eli Manning who won two. Yeah. No, I mean. You know, you're you're right. just talking about one. One don't get you a Super Bowl. One don't get you all the fame. That's you got to do more than one to get to all the fame. There's a lot but of quarterbacks is, with one that that are not in the Hall of Fame, but like you're talking about, two is very rare. Yeah, two. Yeah, so he's gonna have to do more than one 
to, to get in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, again, this team is built. You know, they're, they, they're a veteran team. They got all these guys. And most of these guys are going to be back. They, they could be built to repeat, but, you know, we know how hard that is. But I don't think one does. But, but listen, give him credit, you know. And, and, and I'll, you know, kid from Dallas, uh, what he had to endure in Detroit. He was a can't-miss kid coming out of high school. We all watched the kid. I remember hoping he would go to Texas and he Georgia. Cause I thought he had a girlfriend in Texas. What was the story? I remember the improvement. You know, we Texas was hoping he had a girlfriend. Maybe the girlfriend was in Georgia or whatever else. Some reason why he went to Georgia over Texas. And first, never wanted Georgia. But, was, you know, obviously a, a, a can't-miss prospect. Had a great career. Certainly had, had the, the, certainly the prototype uh, from the beginning with the size, arm strength, and everything else. And, you know, went to Detroit. And who's one in Detroit? No one's one in Detroit. We can't put that all on him. Uh, but I think the fact that he has gotten here in a different situation, you know, with the right pieces around him. The thing about it is, is you know, we, we look at quarterbacks and we think they have to carry a team. That's always the, the, the subject with Jack Prescott. They have our Romo. They have to, you know, if you're a great quarterback, you have to. He did not carry the Rams this year. You know, the best player on the Rams offense was too tough. And, you, and we want to list the best players on the team. We're going to start with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And there's going to be a few players before we get to Matt Stafford, the quarterback. But he came into a fortuitous situation with the coach and a team that was built around him, the pieces around him for him to win. You know, so if there's any hope for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, you hope that they can build a team around him for him to win at some point in his career. That always begs the interesting question of does your quarterback, when you pay him a certain amount of money, have to elevate the guys around him? And make up for some of their deficiencies, and uh, you know that's to me that's always the sixty-four thousand dollar question. That's the question we have in Dallas, and that's the question that's always been about you know Matt Stafford. Yeah, and I would say that I don't know that Matt Stafford elevated the Rams. He's in the Super Bowl not because he elevated the Rams, but he didn't mess it up. He made throws he was supposed to make. He did what he was supposed to do. But I don't know that he elevated the Rams. And again, we can strength we blew in the face if if Park could catch. A cold butt neck in Alaska, they may not be here because he threw an awful, should have been intercepted against the Fort Niners last week. That's true. He did. I mean, that, that easily, if that ball gets caught, it's, San Francisco's in this game. Right. So, you know, it, you know, it, 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 it's a nice narrative that we have that if you make a certain amount of money, you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do this. Uh, but again, how many quarterbacks at the end of the day, at, at, you know, are going to be making. 30, in, in three years, how many quarterbacks were making $40 million or more? All of them can't win. All of them can't, well, you make this much money, you got to elevate your team to win. Well, that's not how it works, especially in football, because there's so much a part of winning that has more to do with one, than one person. Now, if you be losing in the first round, it's a whole different story, it's a whole different conversation. But but we all know that if with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, it's not just about losing the first round. Because if they'd have won their first round game and lost in the second round or lost in, in, in the division playoffs, we'd be saying the same thing. Yeah. Until you, until you win it all, and then, you know, it, 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 that, that, that question is always going to be there with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. It's not, just about, it's not just about Dak Prescott. It's about the last 26 years with the Cowboys. So, Chill, before we let you go, what do you think of the Chris Dapps Porzingis trade? <laughs> you know, Why are you laughing, man? Because I remember the first year here when I ripped Chris Thompson for not being available. 
and, and, and it not being that good of a deal. And everybody, you got to give him time. He's gonna, you got, he's gonna be here. You got to give him time. He still hurts. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I mean, he still hurts, and they finally walked away from it. Okay, I mean, it was a, it, it was a good try. They they tried to make something happen. They tried to they, they tried to it, it, it was the intentions were good. The unicorn is, is not a unicorn. He's not just not that special. Well, I think he has special talent, but he's hurt all the time. But it, I mean, well, oh, you know, I mean, I always it's always interesting to me. Like nobody tries to get hurt, but people seem to get angry when you're hurt. Well, they get angry when you're hurt because their expectations, you know, and 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 and, and they pay you. We go back to getting paid a certain amount of money. And the contract, and so there are expectations that come with that, and and especially when you know, it, it, you you give up something for somebody, and and I think it's different when it's your homegrown talent or or like that. But you, you certainly you don't, I don't think that that people had, um, had a long lease for Porzingis because of, you know he, he's really not a homegrown guy. There was always questions about you know his style of play. I mean there was. Certainly, he had the talent, but you know, no one was has ever sold on what exactly he is. He's just a basketball player, man. Is, is he? <laughs> is, is he a good one? Is he one you can count on? Those are questions yes, that people a, still have. Yes, he's a good player. He's just always hurt. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, but Sean Lee was a good. Sean, Sean Lee was a good player. He was just always hurt. That mean you're not and, a good and, player. And people, and people have. And people had angst about that. They they called it the Sean Lee disease. They called it the hamstring of Sean Lee disease. They're already saying, you know, Leighton Van Der another Sean Lee because he's hurt. I mean, people have angst about all of that. No, that's true. You're exactly right. And Mavs move on from him. So I don't think that this is about trying to get better. I don't know that the, the, the trade made them better with the guys they brought in, but it gives them some flexibility, I think, moving forward to do some things with the roster. So we'll see. Well, yeah, and, and as someone else pointed out, I mean, they need to know who they can count on. Yeah. As well as they, as they continue to build the roster and get ready for the playoffs. And they played pretty well without him. You know, and so let's let's go with the guys we got. Let's, let's, let's commit to these guys. Those guys will be available. And let's continue to develop and build with the guys that they have. All right, Chill. We appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week. No problem, guys. Enjoy your day. All right. You as well. <laughs> See you. There he is. The greatness of Clarence Hill Jr. joining us here. And, of course, as always, brought to you by Soda Weight Loss. Well, you know, before we move on, we should take a moment. Matt's birthday's coming up soon. It is. That's so right. We'll talk, we'll talk about that next week. He probably thought I forgot. I got you something. You'll probably get in a year or two. Um, <laughs> All right. I'll take it. <laughs> you know, but the other thing is, you know, me and Matt have, have uh, me and Matt are boys, but we have very different personalities. I would never let this thing go unspoken. But my boy, name, top 20 radio host <laughs> for Morning Market, and he don't want to let y'all know he's being prideful he's being humble that's some bullshit i'd be starting to show with it hey bro before we get started i gotta tell y'all what i did man i got name blah 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 but uh, matt ain't like me in that respect so he wants to be a little modest well fuck that man stand up take a bow yes. kick an ass and as i sent matt in a text i ain't really surprised matt's a talented dude i mean he really is our show was great we would have really been blowing up Dallas yeah. had uh, had we not got screwed. But the thing about it is, when two bad motherfuckers are doing shit, when they get screwed, they just screwed for the moment. 
Matt's doing his thing in Birmingham, kicking ass, taking names. And again, I sent him this in a text. Like, I ain't surprised. And, you know, he'll be there as long as he want to be there uh, till he's the man there or some bigger market decides that they can use his talents elsewhere. Yeah, I, I did think that was pretty cool, man. There's no doubt because it's an industry thing that people, it's a panel of executives and program directors and stuff in the radio industry vote on this. And I was voted one of the top 20 midday shows for like so they have major markets which are the top 20 markets and then they have all the other markets which are considered mid markets and so Birmingham is a mid market and I was voted one of the top 20 midday shows in the mid markets which was pretty cool and well you ain't been doing it but like I know nine months or a year or something six months dude I started in July so see seven months been doing it seven months but that's the thing is because we knew that that whenever that was Wednesday I guess it was we knew that it was going to come out and we had talked about it the day before. And one of the guys that works with me is like, he's like, I bet you're going to be on it. I was like, man, I would be very surprised. I was like, we've only been doing it for seven months and I'm not in the industry. You know, I don't do any TV or anything like that. And, and so some of this is they got to know who you are. I mean, they need to know you. And so right. I thought that was really cool. The fact that having only done it for seven months, and this is the first time I've ever done a solo show. I've never done a show by myself ever. And so I'm doing it all by myself here. And so, yeah, I mean, I thought that was pretty badass to be named in the top 20. It was pretty cool, honestly. <laughs> well, all of us who know Matt know uh, deep down, he ain't really doing the show by himself. He got like 25 yeah, forces yeah, no, inside, yeah. of his, inside of his head. And they're all helping him with the show and, uh, you know, driving his lady friend crazy. But, uh, no, I'm really happy for my boy. Proud of my boy. And, again, I ain't really surprised at all, man, because uh, you're good at what you do and, and you grind on it. You know, we just, you know, I had somebody tell me today, bro, that, uh, you know, I got a little podcast that, you know, you and Matt make it look easy. And it's really not. I go, well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> and the point of that is that it's hard. A solo show is hard. Man. And uh, but Matt's a talented dude. So, you know, I ain't really surprised, bro. Yeah, and it's, it, it was always it's always funny with me, and it's it's probably like any job. Like, there are probably jobs out there that you would look at and be like, oh, I bet, you know, then you start doing the job, like, man, a lot more goes. Radio is a great example of that because people turn on the radio and they just hear somebody talking, and they think, oh, I'm sure, you know, I can talk about sports. I like doing that. And you don't realize, like, all the formatics and all the things that you have to manage and the structure of what it is, and people think – Okay, and a lot of times I go, maybe you could even do a 10, 12-minute segment. But then how are you going to do that? In my case right now, I'm doing six segments a day, so five, so 30 segments a week where you have to make sure that you've got enough for that segment to fill the time because guess what? If you don't and you run out, you still got to keep talking, dude. This, this <laughs> isn't like having a conversation with your buddies at the bar where you just pause and it's quiet for a few minutes while you guys watch the TV until the conversation starts up again. I mean, if you don't truly prep and have what you want to say and know how to format that, even two minutes in radio, if you if you're supposed to do a 12 minute segment and you got 10 minutes worth of stuff, then two minutes of your segment's going to suck and people are going to stop listening to you. Yeah, it's always about over preparing the segment. Yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate that, man. That uh, that was that was a big deal for me. It really was. I mean, I was I was surprised and honored that enough people in the industry and again, like I said, because we know people like Bruce Gilbert and Jeff Catlin and people that are big time players. And even the guy who puts all this together, Jason Barrett, is well aware of who we are. But 
you always kind of wonder of all the people that are out there because there's radio stations and sports talk stations all across the country. How many people right? are, are stopping down and, and like, oh, this Matt McLaren show guy, what's this about? And the fact that enough people enjoyed it to, to mention me in that way was pretty cool. I know, man. Uh, it's only uh, onward and upward for here. I will take it. I will tell you that because, you know, I mean, you know my career. I've been working my ass off and trying to get to a certain level for my whole life, and I just never gave up. Well, no, you never gave up. And frankly, I can't remember if I mentioned this or not to you, but, uh, you know, all you ever needed was opportunity, bro. And uh, when you got real opportunities, yeah. you took advantage of them. You know, ESPN became a real opportunity, kicked ass on there. Birmingham became a real opportunity. Uh, you're kicking ass there. And uh, the reason our podcast has been successful is, uh, you know, you play a great role in helping us kick ass here. Yeah, man. I mean, that's just part of what it is. And I was just never going to not do this, essentially, in some form or fashion. This is what I always wanted to do. So I just decided I'm just going to do that. So that's what I do. But, yeah, that was that was cool. It's pretty cool to walk around and be like, hey, you know. I am that 12 letter <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, in a yeah. sense, yeah. I mean, I, I was like, man, top 20 midday shows in, in, in all the markets that are out there, you know, that, that exist and how many shows that people are doing and to be in the top 20 was pretty badass. So I will oh, take man, that I, and I will yeah, pat myself it. on the back. Yeah, do that. Do that. And maybe I'll, you know what I will do? I will put extra jalapenos on my turkey sandwich next time to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I will do that. No, but it, you know, it's fun and, and it's kind of it was kind of cool that it happened this week because like you said my birthday's next week and then I'm taking a couple of vacation days and we're going to Asheville, North Carolina at the oh, end of next furniture. week. No, no, no. We're going Asheville is it used to be the number 1, but now it's number 2 most breweries per capita of any city in the country. Oh, all right. And so we are going to go, and they, I mean, they've got something like 35 breweries just in Asheville alone, maybe even oh, more wow. than that. So we're going to go out there, and next Thursday, actually, we, we're leaving Thursday, and then we'll be out there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come back Sunday night, and looking forward to it, but it's kind of, you know, now it's like a celebratory and birthday trip, which is great. No, that's fantastic, bro. Yeah, so it's kind of nice. I mean... It's like that Macklemore song. And for those that know, walk into the club. I'm like, what up? I got to, you know, and I won't continue the <laughs> phrase. But if you know that song, then you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. So we will move forth here. And before we get into Ed Werder and close out our conversation, and keep in mind, we still have our Super Bowl picks coming up. We're still going to give you our thoughts on the game, and we're going to talk to Ed about all that. But I will tell you this. If you have started to notice cracks in your foundation or if you have started to notice sticking doors, I'm going to tell you right now, the thing that you need to do is you need to call HFX Foundation Solutions. And I would call them pretty damn quick, man, because the earlier that you discover things like this, the quicker that Aaron and his crew, it's a local family-owned business, they can get out there for your free, no-obligation inspection and really, it's just kind of about giving you a peace of mind. Dude, it's, it's always about peace of mind. That's why I call it a colonoscopy for your house. Colonoscopy gives you peace of mind when you take it uh, as, as, a, as a human. <laughs> and your house, when you give them one, man, it gives you peace of mind. Because even if uh, on the off chance they find something, man, chances are they're going to find something when it's a little deal before it becomes a big deal. And it'll cost you a fraction of, of what it would if, if you find it at a later date. And if uh, Aaron and HFX doesn't find anything, well, then hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, brother. Go celebrate. That's exactly right, man. It is HFX Foundation Solutions. It's an easy call, 
1-800-242-0174. Or you can simply just jump them online at hfxfoundation.com. A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. They do a great job and they will take care of you. Again, hfxfoundation.com. Also, of course, let's not forget this. Valentine's Day is Monday. The day after the Super Bowl is Valentine's Day. Some of you right now may be going, oh my God, it is. That's right. What am I going to do? I need to get something. Well, go to Kinley Rose. KinleyRose.com, the online women's boutique. They offer e-gift cards. You could simply get one of those, give it to your lady, and you are taken care of for Valentine's Day. She can go on over there, and she can find out a great new outfit for herself. Maybe uh, a, a top. They have these shackets, which is like a shirt jacket. They got all kinds of great things at KinleyRose.com. Ladies, I'm telling you, check it out yourselves. Focusing on attainable style without sacrificing comfort. It is the online women's boutique, KinleyRose.com. Trendy, fashionable stuff. We're dudes. We don't know much about this, which is why I can tell you, if you're in a bind and you need a Valentine's Day present and you forgot to get one and you need something this weekend, KinleyRose.com has you covered. K-I-N-L-E-Y Rose.com. And check them out on Instagram as well. You can find them there at ShopKinleyRose. So it is time. It is Super Bowl weekend. It is upon us. Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles. And let's check in with our ESPN NFL insider brought to you as always by Medea from scratch and their three fantastic Dallas area locations. Ed Werder joining us here. And Ed, this matchup is, is interesting. And there's so many reasons why it's fascinating. But you've talked about this thing with Cincinnati and Joe Burrow and the fact that of all the quarterbacks that have ever been sacked 50 or more times in an NFL season, he's the only one to make it to the Super Bowl. Can the, can the, the Bengals' offensive line do enough against what has really become a nasty Los Angeles front here in these playoffs? Well, I mean, it, it, I think the only reason we say that, you know, if the Rams' pass rush is dominant in this game, that the Bengals can still overcome it and win is because, Earlier in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow overcame getting sacked nine times uh, and still won the game. That's not typically what happens. Uh, you know, his sack total actually is now 63, counting the playoffs. That's 12 more than any other quarterback entering the Super Bowl. Uh, the previous high was Ben Roethlisberger and Russell Wilson both had 51. Um, so what, what Joe Burrow's done here is really exceptional. Um, and, and I would expect he's going to be under a great deal of pressure uh, with the, you know, uh, Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller and, and all that the Rams can create on defense. And, I mean, the whole thing about the pass rush is it's the thing that most influences the performance of the opposing quarterback. And yet we have a guy, and a young guy, who has somehow been able uh, to maintain his poise and, and make you know, good decisions and accurate throws, even in the face of unrelenting pressure and doing it while coming off ACL surgery from a year ago that shortened his rookie year. We've, we've never really seen a guy do what Joe Burrow's done. And so while I would ordinarily say, yeah, the Rams pass rush is going to be too much, it would probably be too much for many quarterbacks, even um, quarterbacks with more experience than Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow's been able to overcome it all season um, and throughout these playoffs even. You know, what's interesting about that, man, is I think it, it, it tells us what a terrific athlete he is, um, even as a quarterback, as I say, since he's not like your classic dual threat kind of guy. 
But the other thing is, if you think about it, man, is I, which is what I was doing while you were talking, all his signature plays in college, it seems like, were making two guys miss, throwing on a run, escaping this, leaping over somebody else and finding a receiver. And it's like he took his college game to the NFL, and he's just really doing the same thing that, that's earned him the number one draft pick overall. Yeah, we, we always think of Joe Burrow as kind of a, you know, old school uh, guy with limited mobility, maybe can relocate in the pocket, but not really a guy who extends plays, certainly not somebody who's athletic enough against NFL competition to run down the field. And yet you go back to the AFC championship game against the Chiefs and he did it four times, uh, four times he scrambled uh, on third down and picked up a first down and extended the series. And many of those times, you know, that led to, to points. So he does have that ability. Um, the question is, you know, can he avoid turning the football over in those situations where the Rams create pressure? And I mean, sometimes the pressure comes fast when Aaron Donald's, you know, located inside and has a direct path to your quarterback. Um, you know, can he continue to function well and avoid uh, the costly turnovers, which have been a bigger part of the Matthew, you know, Stafford season than they have the Joe Burrow season? But yeah, he's. You're right. He's. He's a lot more athletic than, than maybe you think he is. Um, but go back and look at what he did against the Chiefs, and I think that kind of testament, testifies uh, to, to, the, to his ability to be a dual-threat guy when necessary. You know, we talk a lot when you look at the Bengals, obviously, and rightfully so about Jamar Chase, but you look at Boyd and you look at Higgins and, and some of the other pieces and what they've built. Jacques and I were talking about this today. This model of these two teams is so different. And we talked about kind of how the Rams did it last week, but Cincinnati's a team. They have three first-round draft picks on offense. They have another, I believe it's five second-round picks, and they've really invested a lot of high draft capital into their offense that for the most part, and you can make the case maybe not as much on the offensive line, but for the most part, they've hit quite a bit in what they've been doing in the draft over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, they and they, they have spent, you know, some money. It's not like uh, they they have done nothing in free agency, but yeah, you're right. Pretty much what they've done in going from worst to first is take advantage, you know, of the opportunity to get a Joe Burrow and to make the right decision to, you know, when they're faced with, well, do you want, you know, somebody like Rashawn Slater uh, to protect him at left tackle, or do you want to draft Jamar Chase and give him a weapon? You know, they, I don't, you can't say that they made the wrong decision in taking the receiver because they've been so productive. And, you know, Chase has been the huge factor in all of the success that Burroughs had throwing the ball down the field this year, which was absent, completely absent from their, their offense last year. Um, but Cincinnati's also made some pretty good moves, I think, in free agency, you know, that have benefited him. Like, you know, Trey Hendrickson has been their best pass rusher, and they acquired him as a, as a free agent. I, I, you know, I think they've done a good job with, while the Rams have gone all in and gotten these, you know, high-dollar free agents that, uh, premium positions. The Bengals have done a good job of finding maybe not the highest dollar free agents, but the sort of the second tier free agents and, you know, being able to recognize what they can bring to the program and still fit them in, you know, the budget that the Browns have under, under Mike Brown. I mean, they've never been a big spending team. They've never been, you know, a desirable location. So it's hard for them to get, you know, quality free agents, but yeah, they've made a lot of good decisions in building their roster. Maybe the best thing they did was they didn't get rid of their head coach after he, you know, went what four and twenty-five uh, over two years. Um, the Jamar Chase Jalen Ramsey matchup intrigues me the most. Which one intrigues you the most? 
Well, I think, uh, you know, Whitworth against Hendrickson is a, is a big matchup. Uh, we talked about, you know, the pass protection issues that the Bengals have. Uh, Whitworth is like one of what? He's only the third uh, 40-year-old player to start in a Super Bowl as something other than a kicker. Um, the others being Tom Brady and Jerry Rice. So that's pretty fascinating company to be put in. Um, but, you know, Stafford's a guy who has to be – I think Stafford has to be protected. He's not that athletic, and he is prone when he feels pressure – uh, to giving the ball away. Uh, I think he tied for the NFL lead in interceptions this year. So I think the Andrew Whitworth matchup against Hendrickson is one uh, that's really fascinating beyond the one uh, that you mentioned. But the, the Bengals, you know, they they really have not defended the deep ball well this year. And so I think the matchups that those guys have in the secondary um, against the Rams receivers uh, will be really interesting because, you know, Cooper Cup's been able to be more than just a possession receiver. I mean, he's he's been a down-the-field guy, and we've seen Odell Beckham Jr. have a huge uh, effect on the Rams' offense in the absence of Robert Woods. So I think those are a couple of different matchups beyond beyond the one you spoke of that will determine the outcome of the game. Yeah, and, and, let me tell Well, I, I was just going to ask him because, Jacques, you were talking about that matchup with Ramsey and Chase, and Ramsey this week came out and basically was begging to shadow Chase. Do you think Raheem Morris will let that happen, or will he just stay on one side of the field? You know, it seems to me like, you know, they, they use Ramsey in a lot of different roles. And I've always, I've always found that the really good coordinators prefer to put the best corner matched up one-on-one against the number two receiver and use two players against the number one receiver. And so that gives the quarterback two unappealing options. Do you want to throw to your best guy when he's being double covered? Or do you want to throw at a guy in your receiver who's not as good as the best corner on the other on the on the opposing side of the field that Jalen Ramsey in this particular case. So I would tend to think that maybe Morris plays it uh, more that way. Now that makes sense. We saw that with the Cowboys in San Francisco in the nineties where they put Dion and Harper in double team Mike. And uh right. you know that was a good most strange. of the time. There were times when they did just the opposite just to mix it up. But um, right. and, and Ramsey's a more versatile player in the Rams defense than Dion was um, for the 49ers, he you know he he plays what they call the star position, and so he's involved in a in a lot of different aspects of the game. But primarily, when he's playing outside corner, I would tend to think that maybe Raheem Morris plays him against the the, the second best receiver, and that Higgins or Boyd in this case. Hey, how did Cooper Cup develop into this dude? <laughs> I don't know. Um, his you know what he's able to do after the catch is incredible. He's you know, really a great. Uh, nuanced player, almost like has kind of, you know, we always talked about Jay Novacek and how he can find the hole in his in his own. He knew when to sit down. And, I mean, Cup has all of that, too. Um, he never drops the ball. He's elite after the cat, running after the catch. And Stafford, I just think Stafford's ability to throw the deep ball um, has worked so well in creating opportunities for Cup to be a down-the-field vertical type of player. I mean, there's really nothing the guy doesn't do well um, as a wide receiver in the NFL. Is this a game for Matt Stafford that he's he needs to put together a Hall of Fame resume when it's said and done? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's going to get, you know, how many more chances he's going to get. He's probably thinking he's not going to get many given it took him 14 years <laughs> to get this one. Yeah, um, But he's with a really good team, and he's with a coach now, you know, who what is going for the second time in four years. Um, I think there's probably more pressure uh, in terms of legacy on McVay because he's already lost a Super Bowl that he probably should have won. Only scored three points. 
that's the fewest points the Rams had scored in 90 games with McVay as coach was the was the previous Super Bowl. And and, and I, I guess I admire, and, and maybe maybe you can take this as kind of a, a shot at the Cowboys, who you know are kind of staying pat after a disappointing season. Where the Rams, you know, they go and they they lose the Super Bowl under a, you know one of the youngest coaches in the league, and hey, they get rid of the quarterback. You know, they're they're looking to upgrade a quarterback from a guy who they drafted number one and you know allocated a lot of draft uh, assets to to acquire uh and and then jared goff loses that super bowl and they they lose their confidence in him they want a better player to go win the super bowl they, they go make a massive investment in matthew stafford that you almost never see um but yeah i think this is a, a, a really important game for stafford uh to play well you know he's won a lot of games this year for the first time against 10 win opponents uh he's succeeded in the playoffs he's been the reason they've won these past few games to get to the Super Bowl. Um, and, and surely as the favorite, most people expect that, you know, if, if this is gonna, there's going to be a positive outcome here for Matthew Stafford and you're going to, at the end of his career, look at all of his records and, you know, all of his completions and touchdown passes and his win-loss record. If you want to blame all the bad stuff on Detroit, then you got to go win this game. Do we lose Jacques? No, here I am. I okay. think the thing, I think the thing he about it is. He sometimes naps. I found. I found he sometimes <laughs> having worked with him on a daily basis. Oh, it can happen once, in a hurry. <laughs> he he once in a while decides to recharge his batteries. Well, I did. Quick aside, when I had an office at the morning news, I would literally because I am a nap guy. I would literally from time to time, probably once a, probably once a week, sometimes twice a week. Turn off the lights in my office. Get on the floor up under my desk and take about a twenty-minute nap. Amazing. I don't think Matt. I don't think Matt questioned the accuracy of my reporting there. That <laughs> no, not at all. We do appreciate your admission and any anecdotal evidence you provide to make I was my argument prov- more compelling. Yes, I was merely providing the facts to that so that uh, everybody had the proper context. But I am not sleeping uh, this particular case. No, I think it's a, I think it's a huge game for for Stafford's legacy, man. Because I don't think he's anywhere close to a Hall of Fame quarterback now. Because he's accumulated all these numbers, but they haven't they haven't meant anything. And uh, if he wants to get in the conversation, it starts with with winning this game. Yeah, they're, they're and and they they're the favorite, they're, and they're playing at home. And um, you know, I think one of the interesting things will be this off season, especially if Stafford and the Rams win the game. You know, that'll mean the last two years. The team that won the Super Bowl acquired a veteran quarterback and won the Super Bowl in that quarterback's first year. Tom Brady last year on his own field, and this year, you know, Matthew Stafford um, at SoFi Stadium with the Rams doing the same thing. So, what is what kind of market would that create for an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or a Matt Ryan? You know, should any of those veteran quarterbacks become available uh, this offseason? I, I think it, it's an interesting new dynamic that the Rams more than any other team have kind of introduced here. I think the Rams thing also, man, was when you screw up or you think you've screwed up, just say we've screwed up and move on. You know, sorry, right. Cap, to, to, as much as you can, be damned. Just like, you know what, we thought this was a dude, it's not the dude. Let's just take our butt, get our butts kicked in the media and the paper or whatever and, and move on and go get somebody better because we can't ultimately win with this dude. Right, and, and you know, let's let's – you know, spend whatever it costs to, to get rid of Jared Goff, and we don't care, you know, how badly this might reflect on the decision we made four years earlier, you know, to to draft him number one and to move up to get him and all the money we paid him in the extension. You know, hey, we're not going to win a Super Bowl with this guy, and that's what we're all about with the Rams, so let's go 
get the next best guy we can get, and let's not be afraid to admit it was a mistake, and let's not be afraid to pay two quarterbacks what most people won't pay one quarterback if it means we get a chance to go win a Super Bowl while we're in this window where there is that opportunity. And they've done it with more than just him. I mean, you know, they, they did it with Vaughn Miller. They did it with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, they, they did it with Jalen Ramsey, was, were, are the best examples of all. But, uh, and now, now they go get Tom Weddle out of, you know, out of retirement so that he could play three games and go win a Super Bowl ring that had eluded him all of his career. So who you got, Ed, uh, on, on Sunday, Bengals or Rams? Well, I've taken the Rams, um, and, and I've, said, I've predicted a score of 34 to 28. Nice. And I have picked uh, Aaron Donald as the MVP, so I think um, the Rams are going to create a pass rush, and I think it's going to be detrimental uh, to Joe Burrow in this particular game. I think he is going to turn the football over, and, and that it may cost the Bengals their best chance to win the game. All right. Ed Werder, as always, we appreciate it. Enjoyed it this season. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, guys. Let's see if we can talk Gabriel into doing this again next year. <laughs> yeah, we will let's. indeed. We will indeed. Appreciate it very much, Ed. <laughs> He's at the Super right, Bowl, by the way. Gabriel DeLeon oh. is at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, look at and that. So there, there are benefits to being a, a sponsor on this show, I will just say. Yeah. <laughs> fact, I, will, I, I, I will point that out wanna, on Twitter later. I'm to take that out in the street. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Ed. All right, bro. See you. All right, there he is. That is our ESPN NFL insider, Ed Werder. And he was, of course, alluding to the chef of Medea from scratch and their three wonderful locations in Plano and Grapevine and Flower Mound. So you can find one nearest you and stop on in and enjoy some fajitas, some enchiladas, whatever the case may be. Dude, the food over there is phenomenal, man. Absolutely phenomenal. You know his pick. His pick on the on the score of the game. It's always interesting to me because we have been treated. These last six playoff games have all been walk offs. Five of them were decided by a last second field goal. The only one that wasn't was the overtime game with Buffalo and Kansas City because Travis Kelsey caught a touchdown pass. And you know, thirty four to twenty eight. I think most of us are kind of in that mindset that this is just going to continue and that we could be really set up here for a phenomenal Super Bowl. It's um let me see how I want to say this. It's ripe for a phenomenal Super Bowl. Are you moving because your cell phone onto your microphone? No, I haven't touched my cell Man, phone. Man, what is this? I don't know. It you don't hear that at all? all and oh, now it's gone. Anything. Wow. Okay. I was gonna say I had I hadn't moved at all. That was weird. I got really bad. <laughs> no, I hadn't done anything. Who knows? Uh technology. Um yeah, technology gremlins. No, man, it's it's ripe. Well, this is how I see it. It's ripe to be a great game because you got two really good offenses. It could, however, turn into a Rams blowout, but I can't see it being a Bengals blowout. Like, you know, and so to me it's, it's not can they stop the pass rush because the pass rush, I think, is the pass rush. It's how do you defeat it? Is it screens and draws early to slow it down? Is it wide receiver hitches? Is it rolling left and right, moving the pocket? What's the, what's the strategy to stop the pass rush or slow it down long enough to, um, you know, make it a ball game? Yeah, we'll see if they can do that. I mean, I was looking at this the other day. For whatever reason, the Rams in the playoffs, their pass rush has just, like, blown away what they were doing in the regular season. They're getting pressure on 31% of snaps when they're bringing pressure, I should say. And 
it's interesting when they get when they're credited with the pressure, their opposing quarterback rating. And keep in mind, they played Kyler Murray, they played Tom Brady, and they played Jimmy Garoppolo. When they get a pressure in the playoffs, the passer rating on those throws is a ten. <laughs> How about that? Like I didn't even know you could get that low. Like that's insane. And, and Joe Burrow, who he's been so good all season, so good under pressure. And he had a 94 passer rating against pressure during the regular season, but in his three playoff games, it's dropped down to a 40 against pressure. Dude, pressure, man, is a great equalizer, man. It just is. Um, It just is, and you have to accept that. And that's why, you know, when Tom Brady was beaten in the Super Bowls, because they got pressure on him. It's, you know, San Francisco beat the Cowboys because they pressured Dak on like half his throws that day. Um if you can't sit in the pocket and find your guys because you're always on the run, it's just incredibly hard to complete, complete passes and win games, bro. And so this is going to come down to pressure, man. And I would say, check this out, man. If the Bengals can, can keep it under five sacks, I think they got a great chance to win. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, and that's kind of crazy to think that you could get away with that. I, I think it's going to be a great game. I really do. I, I think this is going to be very close and that we are in for a treat I would not be surprised at all just because of how like cold and, and assassin-like that Joe Burrow has been if they figure out a way to pull it out. And I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Stafford and the Rams and that explosive offense is able to get it done with the Rams defense making some plays. And we'll see because I don't look at Matt Stafford as a Hall of Fame quarterback either. And I was just looking at this. He's going to have, when by the time it's all said and done, because he's got another five, six, seven years left in his career he's going to be top 10 probably even top five across the board in a lot of statistical categories you realize that up to this point in his career he's only been in the he he is a one-time pro bowler well that's why he ain't no damn hall of famer any talk about him being a hall of famer is silly because i mean everybody goes to the pro bowl bro and he's been there once a one-time pro bowler well i mean he's never remotely been close to the top quarterback in the league or an elite quarterback or, you know, top three quarterback. I mean, he's always been on that next tier. So he's been a really good quarterback. But as we always say, or at least I do, man, ain't the Hall of really good. I mean, lots of cats could be in that. It's the Hall of Fame. And so he's not – I mean, he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, hell, at least Eli Manning was a four-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, he wasn't a Hall of Fame quarterback either, but he's in there. He'll get in there, yeah. And, you know, the other thing about this that'll be interesting moving forward, regardless of what happens – I wonder if Cincinnati wins this, then all of a sudden Joe Burrow is looking at Pat Mahomes going, hey, man, you thought you were going to be the dominant force here in the AFC for the next few years? Watch out because I'm coming for you. And Josh Allen, and you guys don't need to tweet at me, all the young quarterbacks in the AFC, I get it. But Cincinnati's got to figure out this offensive line because Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times this season. Only 37 quarterbacks in NFL history have ever been sacked more than that. And what's wild is he was sacked 32 times last year, but he only played in 10 games because of his knee injury. (laughs) If you do that, that's 3.2 times a game. He was on pace to have been sacked 51 times last year as well, but he got injured. And there is not a lot of quarterbacks that have played in this league that have been sacked in their careers 51 times twice in a season. And you look at some of them, like David Carr, who knows what he could have ever been because he was sacked 76 times and then 68 times, and he (laughs) never could be anything. What's really wild, I was just looking at this earlier this week, 
Randall Cunningham was sacked 57 times, 60 times, and 72 times in three different seasons of his career, and then in another time was sacked 54 times. Jeez, who knew? And he could move. Yeah, and he could get around. I mean, how wild is that? I forgot that David Carr got sacked 76 times his rookie year, though, man. I was like, my God, that's incredible. 76 times in a 16-game season, a quarterback gets sacked. No doubt he was seeing ghosts. I mean, no. Yeah, and that's like that's why it's one of those things with him is nobody ever knew how good he could have ever been if he had gone somewhere else because he was getting sacked five times a game. Yeah, it, it, that's why it matters. Um, I don't think there's any doubt the Bengals will fix the offensive line this offseason. They'll do it in the draft. I think they got a lot of cap room. They'll do it in the draft. They'll do it in free agency. Uh, but, yeah, you, you got to make it better, man. No, no doubt about it. And um, that'll make your team better. Yeah, it will. And if you're asking me, I'm going, I want the Bengals to win because I think it'd be awesome for the city of Cincinnati since they've never experienced this before. And you look at Cincinnati, I mean, it's been a long-ass time since that that town has had a championship at all. I was trying to think, I guess it would have been the Big red Machine back in what, 1970-whatever? Yeah, 70... 475, 76, I think. So you look at that, and that was it, man. And so th- this is a city that it's gone that long. Or wait, no. I'm trying to think, was it 19? They won in 1990 because they swept the A's. In 1990, they won the World Series. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that was the last time that the city of Cincinnati has experienced a championship at all. And, of course, the Bengals have never won one. So they've gone, I mean, however many years that is, what, 32 years as a city without experiencing a championship. So I'd like right. to see them win. And I, I think L.A. is going to win. I think L.A. is a better overall team. And because of their pass rush and the Bengals' offensive line woes, I think Joe Burrow is going to get roughed up a bit. And I think at some point they'll force a fumble. Ramsey will have a pick. Somebody will do something that will be the difference in the game and the Rams will win. But I do think it's going to be close. I, I think Ed Warder was right. His score at 34-28 is, I was thinking, 31-27 Rams. I'm, uh, I'm going with the Bengals, man. Like, oh, I, think everything, nice. I think everything points to the Rams winning. I mean, they got more star players. They got these dominant players on defense. They got a terrific offensive system. Um, but I like the quarterback, man. If they can just figure out some kind of way – to uh to protect them and keep the pocket moving uh, especially early when the game can get uh wonky as you like to say sometimes yeah. um i think they can pull it out and win it and so i got the Bengals winning man 33 31 god that would be incredible i, I just think it'd be awesome i would love to see because I, I again if i've never seen a team win and i don't care really and i don't i don't care if the rams or Bengals win i'm fine either way then I kind of lean towards the team that's never won. And I think it'd be awesome for their fan base. Oddly enough, I know a bunch of Cincinnati fans. There's a couple of guys that live in Birmingham that are hard, hardcore Cincinnati Bengals fans. And my parents lived in Cincinnati for a couple of years. And my youngest brother, Mark, went to, I guess it would have been elementary school for a couple of years in the Cincinnati area. So I think it'd be great. I'd love to see Cincinnati win. So we'll see right. how it turns out on Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. 
Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.